Blog Talk Radio. Surviving and thriving in the aftermath 
As a social worker, Rivka discovered that many of her clients had experienced childhood trauma too, causing them to feel isolated, disconnected, and avoidant in adulthood. However, they struggled to recognize the impact of their experiences. I understood their reluctance, their reluctance to confront their vulnerable inner selves. This is because I had also experienced a disconnection of my own, Rizka explained. I experienced complex trauma as a child, and most acutely, and most acutely, I experienced attachment loss trauma were mired in their own problems. They were completely unavailable, and I suffered in excruciating silence, she goes on. I strongly believe in the transformative effects of 12-step programs for those who have undergone trauma, a blend of science, I'm sorry, a blend of sincere accountability, soul-searching, and being nurtured by a higher power can be a solution that is beneficial for all. She became a first-time author specializing in trauma recovery and spirituality with her first book, Trauma and Transformation, a 12-step guide. Finally understood how my childhood experiences impacted my behavior, thoughts, and relationships, a relief that motivated me to uncover the root cause of my chronic disconnection and inner isolation, she concludes. I found healing for my inner child. She's been a mental health clinician and researcher over the last decade and holds a doctorate in psychology. Rivka is, is a longtime NASCA family member and an active participant in the group. Wow. Such an honor to have Rivka here with us. Um, let me check if um, Rivka is on with us. And if not, um, I, I just want to just go over this again. I mean, the background, turnaround, the, the success stories of many of the survivors is just astonishing. Because a lot of times some survivors or people who have experienced abuse, uh, child abuse in this particular topic, they don't. They, they, they are unable to get on stuff and thrive. And so when we have guests who share their recovery story, but not just share their recovery story, but also share how they are able to continue to thrive after they've um, experienced this, it's, uh, it's just miraculous. And it's so inspiring and so needed um, because then others who are either going through their hard season or have been through and they're struggling to get unstuck, are able to see hope. They're able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, and Dr. Rivka is definitely a light at the end of the tunnel. So I hope she, she does make it in tonight. Um, and while we wait for her, um, I want to introduce my co-host, Ms. Kim Noisen. Hey. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing well. Thanks. We do have a couple other people with us this evening on the panel, so 
when Dr. Richard joins us, then yeah, we'll have some people. Okay. So uh, I'm looking at the list here, and we have Billy. Okay, Billy. Uh, I see from Massachusetts, because, see, when I saw that number come up, 978, my number is 617. So I'm from Massachusetts. <laughs> so I'm I'm like, I was like, wait a minute, 978, that cannot be Dr. Risa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm from uh, I'm from Methuen, Mass. How, how are you, Kim? <laughs> Is uh, now this hey, is this Billy is from Methuen, Mass. Uh, how's everybody doing? Good to be here. Yeah, no, the, the person <laughs> talking from from Massachusetts is Dr. Nancy because see, I want you to know I'm from I'm I grew up in Boston. <laughs> so oh, nice. Excited to yes. So um, so what part you said you're from Methuen? Yeah, I'm about forty minutes from Boston. Yep, yep, we have the accent and everything. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like funny. I'm home. <laughs> yep. It's too funny, good. but no, good to be on. No, definitely. Yeah, well, thank you for calling in tonight. Um, definitely a pleasure to have you. Okay. Let me see who yeah. else is on here. Okay, I see we have Jim on the line. I don't know if you want to say hello, Jim, or if you just want to listen in. Either way, it's fine. Um, but welcome, Jim. We appreciate you joining us. Okay. All right. So now also, okay, that's okay. Um, and so I also see we have uh, Bill on. Here I am. Hi, <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Sure. Well, this is a friend of mine that's uh, scheduled tonight. Her name is pronounced Rivka Ettery. Rivka Ettery. Uh, she's a uh, doctor of, of a therapy of some sort. I don't know exactly what her do- doctorate is. But she's um, very familiar with NASCA because she came on the show, I'd say, maybe... Ten years ago, something like that, and uh, maybe eight years ago. But anyway, she wrote a book about an, uh, about twelve step recovery being applied to uh, trauma. <laughs> and when we met, she she found out I was doing it, and I had been doing it for thirty years. We became fast friends, and then she became a co-host along with me um, on a series of shows, time after time. After, I think it was weekly. Uh, and so um, she was, you know, pretty involved with us for quite a while. And I don't know why she's not here, but I ran into her, um, you know, I ran into her um, uh, three weeks ago, um, I invited her on the show, and she was very happy to be reconnected and so forth. So she, I would expect her to be here, but I don't see her. I just called. Uh, and uh, when I called, it went straight to a voicemail machine. And then I texted and uh, left a message that the show had just started and gave her the phone number to call in. But oh. I'm watching for her, too. She's not here, obviously. So you can see the um, description of her book. 
uh, by clicking the link for it. It's in the description of her show. Uh, can't read it. I, I don't have my glasses on. <laughs> I don't know. Here we go. <laughs> Wait, it's it's held no, ladies. <laughs> Trauma and transformation. You want me to read it, Joe? Tra- I, oh. I got it. Trauma and transformation: okay. A twelve-step guide. That's the name of the book. Uh, and and it's uh, you know it's fascinating. It's, it's, it describes how you can use uh, a twelve-step program, twelve steps. To um, recover from trauma, <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, and she and she did that. Uh, you know, I don't know how she got into it. It's one of the things I was going to ask her tonight, or at least I forgot. But um, she's got um, got some experience, and of course, since I did too, we um, decided to co-host this series, and we did it for a while, quite a while. So people would call in. I think in I remember her name. Yeah, you do? Yeah. yeah I Rivka. I Edery. think I do, yeah. Yeah. Was it around the time you had those two, those two ladies that were doing shows for us, too? One was in uh, uh, British Columbia. No? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I think I can. That was right before we all kind of came on, wasn't it? Yeah, right. How long? Is she getting back to you? Say again. Did she get back to you? No, I'm watching for her. I gave her the phone number and and I gave her the text message to remind her about that it had already started. I mean, we could talk a little bit about complex trauma. I oh, no, let's, let's basically course, just diagnosed with it, too, oh, sure, because sure. Um, I never had been diagnosed with it. And and I finally, I'm seeing a couple different therapists right now, and one of them finally said to me, you have to have complex. <laughs> I'm right, like, right. yeah, I think I do, too. <laughs> right. I'm, looking but, the, uh, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the linked in our description of the show. And it's, of course, as I said, uh, Trauma and Transformation, a 12-step guide. And uh, basically, I looked at the... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I looked at uh, the back of the book, and it describes her as holding a master's degree in social work from Fordham University and the Graduate School of Social Services and a Bachelor of Social Services from Thomas Edison High School, State School, State University. But she's she's got a, a degree, uh, a graduate degree since this stuff, since she was with us. So she's um, now a doctor, Dr. Rivka. <laughs> uh, I know that was not easy for her to do. She, she, does, she doesn't have a lot of um, support, you know. Uh, but, and she was living in a small town in uh, New York when she was on our show. Of course, her life has moved on and she went back to school and so forth during the interim. Um, it's fascinating, though, for me because uh, anyone who doesn't know it, I'll tell them that I'm a person that's recovering himself from uh, trauma and that I definitely have used <laughs> a 12-step 
approach for all the years that I've been healing, uh, quite a few years, um, and well, it's 40 years. <laughs> and uh, I, I was already 30 years or so recovered when I met Rivka. <laughs> she was pretty impressed. <laughs> but um, he came up with this uh, completely separate from me, and I don't think he got it from being an alcoholic, if I remember. Um, you look at the show description. Uh, There's a lot of different programs these days, isn't there, that kind of use the 12-step program as their model to well, that's start why their I step? Absolutely. Yeah. That's, wh- that's why I did it, because I knew that, um, you know, many other things have uh, been many other uh, of life's you know, situations have had a 12-step program applied to them, and they've worked just fine, you know. Uh, this is not, uh, you know, not my, I'm not the first one. When I was first sober in AA, there was, um, you know, there's Cocaine Anonymous that had just started. There was, um, I think they were playing around with the idea of Sexaholic Anonymous or Sex, sex Something Anonymous. And there was Al-Anon, which was for friends of alcoholics who weren't alcoholics themselves. But, um, you know, they have a lot of trouble with us. So, um, they had their own program. So there were, there were a few, even when I was getting uh, sober. I, I think Gambler's Anonymous. So I understood that you could take the 12, uh, 12 steps and, sure enough, you could um, apply them to any problem, really any trauma, and, and it would work. And it did. I was pretty happy with that. <laughs> oh. Yeah. 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 And then along comes this neat. lady that wrote the book on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a lot of people do use that 12 step. Uh, in their programs, and I mean, it's already been proven that it works. That it, you know, yeah. it has helped a lot of people. So I oh, think yes. it's just a wonderful tool to help. Oh yeah, a wonderful tool. Mm-hmm. Has anyone um, else on the call ever used a twelve-step program or something similar to it? Or do you know anyone who has? Anyone on the panel? I know Bill. You have. Oh, yeah, I, a lot. You teach yeah. it, you know it, right? You've used it. Yeah, you know Anyone what happened else? with me was I was I was getting clean and sober because I was also, you know, a drug addict. But I was mm-hmm. getting clean and sober using the twelve steps, and I uh, realized that because there were these other you know programs, why can't you use it on you know basically anything you apply it to? So I applied it to childhood trauma, my childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. I changed the steps and I changed the traditions. Wherever it said alcohol or alcoholism, I changed it to uh, child abuse or trauma as a child or something like mm-hmm. that. And, and it, it's exactly the same except for that. Wow. Uh, the subject matter has changed. But there's a, um, I would put a website on the website, <laughs> I mean, on the Internet. Wow. Yeah, and um, you know it's it's kind of fascinating that this 
it's a, it's almost a miraculous type, you know, program. Uh, it was written by mm-hmm. a couple of drunks, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it really it was. Um, then there was um, about when there was about a hundred people that were getting sober by it. The 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 uh, founders um, decided they were going to print the book, and the book is called the Big Book because they couldn't afford regular paper. They had a, a a paper that was like a rag stock, you know, it was very thick, and so it made the book about I don't know two inches tall or two three inches tall, and the size of a of a telephone book. <laughs> that was the first. Recovery book, <laughs> uh, but it became known as the Big Book because of that. And um, the Big Book is, you know, is, is uh, appreciated by an awful lot of people now, millions and millions and millions. Uh, so, I got to tell you the truth: um, it's not an easy program. You know, uh, you have to. It's basically. You have to give your life over to your higher power, whatever that is. It could be God. could be the God you grew up with. could be a God you create in your head now. It could be a tree. Because if, if you believe the tree is more powerful than you, you can turn your life over to a tree, you know. Um, mm. But what, whatever, it doesn't say you have to believe in any specific kind of higher power. And then this is, you, make, you turn your will and your life over to that higher power, and then you... Um, Eventually, you uh, write an inventory, and you um, and that's all the things that uh, happen in your life that uh, are that you did wrong, frankly, that bothered you too, that the people you have a resentments about. And um, off of that list, which you share with your sponsor, you uh, are going to make amends. So. When you do that, um, there's process to do that, and you're now at sort of the ninth step when you're making amends, and then ten, eleven, and twelve are uh, sort of recommitment and and reexamination of yourself, and they're meant to be regu- done regularly. So it, you, you never graduate from it, you know. <laughs> um, but it's kind of like us, except there's no therapist. There are nowadays, and it happened since I was in the beginning, um, sponsors. And a sponsor is simply somebody you go to ask for um, direction and help. And it's usually, of course, somebody who has a number of years beyond yours and is willing to spend the time with you. So, it, it, there's, you know, you can have a sponsor. You know, it's not... Uh, not written in stone who your sponsor is or anything like that either. So you can work for a while, and if it doesn't seem, you know, like it's working either from the sponsor's side or from your side, you know, it's not it's not a bad thing to, you know, say I'm, I'm going to look for another sponsor and go do it. Bad, it's, it's I think it's bad to try and do it by yourself. It'd be mm-hmm. like trying to recover for us to recover by ourselves, right? That's not easy, you know. Um, and and you um, also tell your story. Now, you don't tell it in the way that we do here verbally. Well, you do, because at all meetings, there are, well, not at all, at 
at all sharing type meetings, there's uh, a section of the meeting where um, they ask for people to raise their hands who'd like to share. And that's where you do it. You share for a few minutes whatever the current option uh, issue is, and you know, and and then they move on to the next person. It's done by a raising of hands usually. Uh, but then there, there comes a time when uh, you become a little more respected in the groups, and they start to ask you to speak at uh, like a speaker meeting. And when you speak at a speaker meeting, it's usually like an hour and a half meeting, and you speak for 35 minutes or something. And then there's a question and answer or, or uh, sharing time for the rest. But that's kind of a privilege to be asked that especially the first time. And after you've done it, you've told your story to the group, you know, because, um, but you can't, you don't have time, in, as we know, in 35 minutes to be detailed. <laughs> but, you know, so you get asked another time, you tell your story again. You may omit some things that you said before, but include things you didn't get to. So there is a process of telling your story, and you tell your story often, to your, you know, pieces of it anyway, to your sponsor when you have issues that you, you want to bring to him or her. Um, and they're, they're usually people who have been, you know, sober quite a few years beyond you, um, so they have a, a lot more experience, and they're perfectly willing to share it, you know. Uh, yeah, so there, there's a lot of similarities in um, Golf Step program and what we do. And that's not surprising. I mean, I, I set it up so there would be. Uh, not that I did not want to identify us as being a 12-step group. Um, I, I thought that was going too far. But what I did do, I, I have a, a eliminated things that bothered me about some groups that I couldn't be comfortable with. And I've included uh, stuff from other groups that I thought were fabulous, you know, and really helpful. So um, that's how we have NASCA. Now, we do follow the 12 traditions at NASCA. 12 traditions are the spiritual principles of a group, of, of AA. But again, the 12 traditions can be applied to anything you want. And you um, simply change the words uh, from alcoholics to, you know, folks, people in recovery. <laughs> um, and that is we you may not know it, but we do um follow it's sort of the structure of how we do it uh it's on the website if you want if you're on the website now you can take a look at it uh it's on um uh the you know the pull the pull down menus the red pull down menus it's on one of those one. Uh, towards the end, I'm doing this on an iPhone, so it's pretty cool. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, it's the last pull down menu, the last bright red pull-down menu. When it drops down, it'll be the second to last 
of the links. And it says the 12 tradition. Love you, Mommy. I kiss my wife. Love you. What? They don't They don't like mind if I kiss you. <laughs> nope, Thanks a lot. We love it. Yeah. She, she's going to um, something she has scheduled for tonight, and I wouldn't go to it anyway, so I I have an opportunity to be with you guys. Pretty cool, huh? Right. Right. So if you Thank go to, you. If you, if you go to the um, red bars, go to the last of the red bars, all the way to the right, uh, touch it, and it'll uh, click it, and it'll drop down. And the second to last, it says the 12 traditions. Um, is anybody... Able to see it? No? Let me pull it up. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'm going to go through it. It, it won't take but a few okay. minutes. I'm uh, on the website. That, Where do I go? Uh, the last of the red pull-down menus. Okay, participate. Oh. Yep, yeah, all the way to the right. Touch it, and it'll drop down, and it'll say the 12 traditions at the bottom. Okay, the yep, second I see Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. So, yeah, so this this is the principles by which we run NASCA. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I think about these, you know, as I create uh, something that I think will be helpful to, uh, you know, a person's recovery from child abuse and anything. I mean, as as, as we're saying, you can apply this stuff to, you know, anything else. And now it's it's kind of to the group what the 12, what the 12 steps are to the individual. In other words, it, this is this is the, the, what the group follows, and it protects the group. Now, you'll, you'll, you'll see that when I read some of this. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. So it talks about coming, to, you know, doing it as a group. You don't, you don't get to fly off and do your own thing. Okay. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. I mentioned this before. A loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Uh, three, the only requirement for NASCA membership is a desire to recover and heal from childhood trauma and abuse. And you know that's the truth here too. That's the, that's the sole thing that brings you in the door, NASCA. Um, each group should be autonomous, except in manners affecting other groups or NASCA as a whole. We are allowed to do things under the NASCA umbrella, separate from NASCA, as long as they follow the same traditions and so forth. And then you can come back and, you know, and, and join NASCA at places that are designed for it, like this radio show, for example. Or if we had if we had a, a a workshop or something, you know, you you would obviously follow the traditions when you put together the workshop. All right, um, each group has but one primary purpose: carry its message to the adult survivor of child abuse <clears throat> who still suffers. Uh, NASCA groups ought never endorse, finance, or lend the NASCA name any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Uh, we have a singleness of purpose, as I said. That's to get, help people in their recovery from child abuse, as you know. Um, so we don't lend. We don't say, uh, you know, 
wow, I found a really good car repair shop. And I, I think everybody in NASCAR ought to go to it. No, you can't do that. <laughs> you know? Um, uh, so that would, because that would break up group. And it, these are all proven as having happened uh, to AA members and AA groups in the earliest part of AA, and they were written down. After AA was um, about 15 or 20 years old, they ratified these 12 traditions. So it wasn't originally part of AA, the 12 steps were. Did you need to say something? No. No. Okay. Um, Seven, every NASA group ought to be fully self-supporting declining outside contributions. And as you know, that's what we do. We don't we don't charge anything and we call it being self supporting for our own contributions too. Um we don't look for grants and so forth. That's uh it's not uh, it's not um uh, what it, you could you could but we haven't done it. Um and uh, that would actually help us. We're we're down to very little money now, uh, less than a thousand dollars in our treasury. I'm, I'm a little nervous about that, but first uh, many years of of the organization, I paid for it anyway. <laughs> Took it out of my pocket, so I may have to go back to that. I just haven't. I, I haven't looked at. <clears throat> I am. I don't have a lot left. Um, the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse should remain forever non-professionals, but our service centers may employ special workers. So we would not, we don't take the NASCA information and, uh, and, and, and you know, start businesses under the NASCA name or anything like that. We're not professionals. Um, but if we, set, if we set up what they call a service center uh, and people were working in it, if they if the work was legitimate to you know run the place, then we pay them like we pay anybody. Um, so that's what that that step means. NASCA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Uh, you know we have a lot of uh, committees and so forth for us too. The National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the NASCA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. And as you ladies know, uh, we we do not talk about anything except the singleness of purpose of child abuse and its trauma. And we don't bring in, you know, other topics and mix them up with uh, surviving trauma because um, that would break up the group. So we have a one uh, policy, one one um, themed uh, group. And we don't we don't allow others to come in. In fact, if somebody came in and they started talking politics or you know or or religion or something like that, we would stop them and remind them that we we don't do that. We don't promote it anyway. Um, and, and you've heard it, you've heard that done you guys many times. Okay, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need to always maintain our personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. All right, now, we don't, we don't require anonymity, but we, allow, we, but we make space for it all, everywhere we go. 
For example, if somebody wanted to participate in this radio show, they didn't want to use their own name, they could do that. They could they could become um you know, uh, a nickname. They could become they could become uh you know, a lot of times in AA they'll use your first name and your last name's initial. So Bill M like that. Uh sometimes they'll um we have have had people that use a completely different name, and of course, that's okay too. They become known as that name. Well, I I know who they are most of the time. I figure it out, <laughs> uh, and uh, and they, and they just share under that identity, and that's fine. Um, so, as I say, though, there's lots of ways that we allow anonymity, um, and. It, it, you can see it in all kinds of ways. You can, you can, uh, you can join our public, uh, obviously our Facebook groups using a, a Facebook name, not your name, right? And that's fine. And then you can use that Facebook name to bring it into the radio show, which I know a couple of people have done. Okay. <clears throat> Uh, the last one. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. That's a really important one because otherwise you get you get messed up with, you know, uh, trying to defend yourself. Not you're not really defending yourself. You're defending, yeah, you're defending a position uh, rather than you know letting other people have a different some of opinion. And you can both have it, this difference of opinion, you know, and, and life can go on. <laughs> but we don't think that way. As alcoholics, we're really very short-tempered, a lot of us. And even if the temper is not coming out, it might be interior temper. It, it screws up relationships big time. So anyway, that's the 12 traditions that NASCA does follow. Uh, and as I read through them, I think you'd maybe – have been able to um, see how that how they do follow how they are followed in certain ways. Because you guys know, you know, NASCA. You just didn't know the twelve traditions, perhaps. But, but the NASCA fits in the twelve traditions. But thank you for letting me uh, occupy so much time in this show, <laughs> on this show tonight. No, thank you for sharing. I think that was great that you were able to show us where on the website. Because that's one of the things that I love about the NASCAR website. Is I feel like I'm always learning something new every single time. It's like never ending. You keep adding to it and adding to it. And it's just a wealth of resources, and that's what people need. People are yeah. in need of resources. Uh, and right. then the fact that you were able to break it down, how you can actually take these 12 steps, take, take um, the 12 steps, just the skeleton of it and incorporate it in whatever it is that you're doing and create 12 steps. I thought that was brilliant. Yep. That was great. I got to tell you, though, uh, the, the basic website, and frankly, 95% of all the material that's on it has, has been there for a long time. Uh, it's been maybe changed in position around, and I've gotten better at websites. But I'm Mm-hmm. You know, I don't use any fancy anything fancy. It's just regular code, um, and uh, so we 
we we have survived really for a long time um, from the basic premise. I mean, I was I was living it myself for all those years. So I just mm. put it down on you know on a website on web pages, and I figured out a way to lay it out so it kind of made sense and so forth. But you know, I, I I knew what I was following, and as I said before, early on, I eliminated from NASCA all kinds of things that had really bothered me about other programs, uh, about other uh, recovery groups. Uh, and we we allow anyone, for example, I don't like restrictions on recovery groups. So groups that are all this or none of that and so forth, I wouldn't do that. NASCA, anybody can participate at all, anybody at all, as, as long <laughs> as they remember the primary purpose isn't is, you know, trauma recovery. Go ahead. Wow. Did I, did I step on you? No. Okay. That was great, what you were saying. Okay. Yeah, I'm um, happy to report that that's worked very well. You know, I have really not had to change very much because I was in, in recovery so long using the 12 steps and traditions, and I'd been looking. I mean, NASCA came about because I'd been looking for something official about child abuse that I could join, and I could not find any. I, and it was ridiculous. I was living in eastern Florida, southeast Florida, and I couldn't find a, a group, a recovery group for child abuse. That's amazing to me. But I couldn't. And um, so I found a, uh, I found a group that, that said they had a, uh, I think it was a weekly meeting that was maybe 20 minutes away. And I thought, oh, right, there's the meeting, you know. And I, <laughs> I tried to, I tried to call them up to find out a little direction or something, and they had shut down. They were gone. So wow. I was really, you know, I was really frustrated. I said, well, then I'll start my own. <laughs> wow. That's how it came. That's how it came about. Had had they been, uh, you know. Had they been open, I might not have done this. But anyhow, as I said, there was there was stuff that was wrong, wrong. I'm putting quotes, quote wrong unquote, uh, or undesirable from my perspective in many of the groups. So I wasn't going to include that because I figured if it bothered me, it was going to bother other people. I tried to create an organization that was as welcoming and as smooth, smooth running as anything um, could be, and it included all the things I did like about you know, recovery groups, but it, I eliminated all the stuff I didn't by rule. You know, uh, you can't you can't like uh, talk about outside issues, for example. That's that's from AA itself. Uh, but uh, other groups would let you do that and sort of mix up topics. And I know that you know, AA wasn't the first group that dealt with alcoholism pretty much the way it does. I think the Washingtonians was a group around the Civil War, a little before the Civil War, where um, they created a uh, program, I think it was six or eight steps, or planks or whatever they called it, um, that were spiritual steps, and they built a program that's not too far different than AA, and they had about, I think it was 600,000 people. It was a big, you know, it was a big success. Uh, 
And then when the Civil War came along, uh, they couldn't sustain it. It broke up, and, it, and they never got it back together. <laughs> so, you know, it's not that AA is, is a miraculously, you know, the only thing that's ever done it, but it is pretty pretty much, I'd say, the most successful thing, you know, that's come along for this. And um, so a lot of the principles, you know, came from that, but others didn't. They came from, you know, other recovery groups. Um, so let me so be quiet. Is- Go ahead. No, yeah, no, no. That's what I wanted. No, no that's no, what no, I want. No, no. <laughs> that's what I want. No. Please, we want we want to hear. Look, so that you you are a wealth of of knowledge. Okay, so right now you're pouring yeah. out great resources and great information. Um, so what are the medallions about? Um, can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, there's medallions and then there's chips. Okay, um, this these are six symbolisms. Uh, usually they're symbols of the length of sobriety, which is at first counted in days, <laughs> and then in months, and then in years. So the first year, uh, they give you like a welcome chip sometimes, which is white, when you come in the group and you say, I'm here for the first time, and I don't know, you know <laughs> or I'm coming back because I was sober for three years, and then I drank again, or whatever. They give you a white chip, a welcome chip. And the next chip is at 30 days. The next one's at six, 60 days. The next one's at 90 days, and then six months, and then a year. And each one has their own chip. Uh, it's a, you know, it's a plastic thing you can put on a keychain, you know. Um, and it's about the size of a 50-cent piece, like that. Um, mm-hmm. And it says, it just simply says, you know, how many days or how many weeks, you know. And like I say, it was it's a... Uh, one, two, three, six months and a year. And uh, when you do a year, depending on where you are, in my, in my case, I was in California when I did my first couple of years. And um, they sing for you. <laughs> they sing happy birthday for you. <laughs> oh. um, and they ask you to stand and say a couple of words and so forth. You know, and then as time goes on and you get more and more years, They'll put you in. Um, they'll put they'll put you uh, like they'll they'll make a special cake or something like that. You know, everybody will eat it. <laughs> uh, they'll put it on the bulletin board. The police, you know, Bill Murray uh, will be X number of years on a certain date. So you, if you want to celebrate his birthday, you come on that date. Wow. <laughs> uh, so they do that particular step in Florida, I know, and other places. But uh, I also did the did meetings in New York City. And New York City is strict, which doesn't surprise me, but I didn't think about it when I first went there. It's strict, you know, and um, they uh, their meetings reflect uh, how how strict they are, how how sort of angry. <laughs> Too, uh, but how, you know, there are a lot of rules it's just about paying attention and stuff, and um, and then it's expressed in a more uh, more angry uh, tone. 
uh, and they don't let you get away with anything like that. <laughs> That's New York. Of course, it is New York. <laughs> and California is California. You know, they sin for you, you know. Everybody's an actor in California. <laughs> so they celebrate uh-huh. for you. <laughs> and they award you. Now, the other thing is, uh, besides those tokens, are medallions. You asked me about that. And medallions are... Um, are, are uh, regular kind of about a little bigger maybe than the ships uh, coins maybe dollar size you know silver dollar size uh, and they are uh, they they say on one side in Roman numerals the number of years and on the other side there's a slogan or something like that by the way these things are not AA issued they're issued by um, there are sort of serenity shops, I think they call them, <laughs> uh, where you can buy sort of supplies that are related to uh, 12-step programs, and they, uh, they're they not part of AA. They're a private business, you know, but come into uh, use and popularity over the years. So it's um, not unusual for... Uh, Someone to, well, first of all, they have to replace the chips, right? <laughs> and the chips are all different colors and everything. Somebody has the commitment to bring to bring back uh, supplies for the meeting, um, and somebody else has their their requirement for making the coffee, and somebody else has the requirement for uh, getting the cake, you know, and somebody else has the requirement from probably several people setting up the chairs, and somebody else has the and it's probably several people. The requirement for uh, taking them down and stacking them, or whatever it is. So this is how an AA meeting runs. And then the secretary of the meeting is a temporary position, um, and it might last uh, three months or six months. And the secretary then, you know, leads the meeting. There's a format, and they read the format and so forth. There's things that that are read. Uh, Serenity prayer, maybe the 12 traditions, maybe uh, a piece of the big book that that are about the uh, 12 steps. There's like three, two pages, two and a half pages. Um, and he or she uh, has a little book that has all these things in it. They ask for volunteers. Volunteer comes up. They're handed the book and they read it out of the book. It's like a um, like a folder, like a um, what do you call it? Well, like, like, a, like a, you know, a, a three-ring folder? But a, 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 a binder? Paper one? A paper one? No, just a little bit like a report folder. You only have to hold together about 10 pages, right? <laughs> so, so anyway, that's up to the group. But the, these are things that are common. And not there are no rules in this way for how you have to do it. But I, I'm telling you that, I guess I started telling you that, there are specialty shops that that sell stuff. You know, they'll sell bumper stickers. You know, they'll sell uh, maybe T-shirts uh, that have slogans or sayings on them. Um, I remember I was given uh, a red bumper sticker from my red van that said "Let go, let God," which is an expression in AA, and I liked it, so I put it on the bumper. Let go, let God. It reminds you that you're not God, and you have a God, but you know, but you know, you ain't it. 
<laughs> what I like about what you're sharing with us is the fact that it reminds us that we're not alone. You guys are, I mean, well, the group creates that sense of family yep. and support system because a lot of people don't have support system. They don't have family. True. And that's what we forget. Like a lot of people don't have support. Their family has no. symptoms. They keep messing up. And, you know, it really takes a lot to really try to get back on track. And, um, you know, I think it's wonderful that they celebrate these. Well, I'll tell you what. They, I I focus on building a community. You've heard me say that before. But a yeah. community, to me, is a group of people that are like-minded and support each other, right? Um, and that's what I was trying to create, a sense of community. But you're right. There are many other groups outside of this particular group who, you know, follow their own principles perhaps, but they're similar, and we support them. We don't, certainly don't tell them they're wrong, you know, uh, uh, but uh, but we don't have to be like that. We, we're, we're the way we are, and that therefore it allows them to be the way they are. Uh, you know, I have, a, I have a little bit of a problem with groups that are only for men or only for gay people, you know, or only for this or that, whatever it was. And they were starting to make specialty meetings when I was getting sober that I didn't really like. And there's still, there still are some meetings that are, you know, they, they, deny, they deny people. That's what I don't like. I wanted to include everybody. So we do. Right. Uh, and there are no restrictions. The only requirement for membership is a desire to to, to uh, recover, you know, trauma from trauma. That's it. And we have every kind of person in here, and every religion in here, and every and agnostics and atheists. We have Muslims. We have Christians. You know, we have everything. Jews. Uh, I don't. I did. I always hated it when I came upon a group that had rules that restricted anything, restricted other people. And uh, NASCA doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think that that's important because um, I'm finding that in a lot of groups, um, and, and I'm going to talk a little bit about groups that are religious-based, a lot yep. of times it's difficult accepting certain conversations, certain topics. It's just because, you know, it's just, um, it's offensive, you know. And I'm, I'm going to say this because earlier I had a conversation with my husband, so this was pretty interesting that he brought this up. But he said, you know, sometimes you would have to think about, like, certain people, they may be offended if you eat pork. So what you do is you don't eat pork around them, right? Or um, some people, they may think that having a drink is sin. So you may not have a drink around them. Um, so now, just, uh, well, sometimes, sometimes um, having a let's say drinking may be considered drinking. sin for some people. Oh, no, oh, well, drinking. I know not really getting drunk, but I'm just I'm giving an example, right? And like if someone right. from a particular religion says even one drink is a sin, then even if you do drink a glass of wine, you would just avoid drinking in front of them out of love or out of respect or what have you. Um, and now. Uh, this month is, um, what is it, uh, uh, what is it, sexual, uh, what is it, gay month, gay pride month, or something like that this month. And so, okay. um, and religious groups, it's 
sometimes you know it could be very offensive when when they're promoting their gay pride, right? The gay pride, but yeah. you know it's difficult because it's like you're supposed to love everyone, you're supposed to encourage everyone to come as they are and not judge. Uh, and then some people are like, well, I'm not judging because of this. I'm judging of how it's being presented. But at the end of the day, it's still a form of judgment. So creating a safe space is really difficult um, to do. It's really difficult to find if you're dealing with people who have specific faith because it's really you're still limited and you still have to be careful. So for you to say, um, Bill, that you're creating a safe space where you none of those things really matter, it's like a big statement because it's really hard to find that. People well, say that's it. That's exactly right. But, that's exactly mm-hmm. right. And that's why, I, that's why I created NASCA because it really bothered me. I kept running up to, against things that weren't allowed. And even even in the men's groups, which I would have been allowed in, it still bothered me. It's like, why can't the women join, you know, be, recover too, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, or or if it was a strictly Catholic group, which I'm Catholic, same thing. I would have been very, uh, you know, mis- I would have been very um, angry <laughs> that why don't they let, you know, some Protestants in or let Jews in. I went, I've gone to everything, you know, I really have. Even, you know, gay and lesbian events, I've, I've, gone, to, I've gone to them. Um, uh-huh. But at first I didn't. At first I was so pissed off. At the, as you, you guys know my story, at the uh, fact that I was uh, abused by now I thought that they were gay priests, okay, but, you know, and um, what I found out later was they were priests that happened to be gay, different things. But I came out of those experiences really pissed off at the church because I blamed the church for uh, sort of fostering the. Uh, group of men that were, you know, attacking kids or approaching kids. And um, so then when I got out of that, that that world, I carried that prejudice into, you know, the neighborhoods that I lived in. I lived in Brooklyn Heights in New York. And Brooklyn Heights was, you know, it was a little bit gay. Um, I found some friends in there who I actually worked with, one I could, I'm thinking of in particular, who was gay. Um, and he was a waiter at a place where I was a waiter. And he was a very nice guy. And he never came on to me, and, you know, and he never came on to anybody. You know, he mm-hmm. he kept, um, he, he didn't hide that he was gay, but he didn't, you know, flaunt it either. So mm-hmm. I started, after a while, especially when I got into the 12-step programs, it started to melt my prejudices, and there were several. Um, I had a big I had a big problem with the church, but that again was I, I, I was blaming the entire church for the actions of you know individuals who I was luck, you know unlucky enough to experience. <laughs> um, yeah. So I had to I had to give up these prejudices, and when I did, uh, you know, what happened was, and I described this in one of those shares that I talked about at the end of the meeting. A couple of guys came over to me and they said, Bill, we don't want you for your body. You know, we want you to be sober. We want you for your sobriety. And they gave me sort of non-sexual hugs and stuff, and that was that. And I said, said to myself, wow, it's like the, 
the scales of prejudice that were all around in that armor were falling off. And from, from right. then on, I from then on I had no problem with the church. I had no problem with with priests, and I had no problem with gay gay people ever. Mm-hmm. I, I I have known uh, you know gay and lesbian people. I've known transgender people. I've known you know I've known various religious groups, of course, because I bought them and I got some experience in each one. But um, I never I never brought my prejudice experience into you know whatever I was doing. So there was there were some gay bars in my, and I would go after work. It was, it was common. We worked in a bar. We closed the bar at our bar. We'd go down the street and go into a gay bar, which was still open, have another beer. You know, it was fine. Hmm. It was good. Right. Yeah, it's, so, it's been very yeah. it's been very challenging um, because this this has been coming up a lot uh, where there's just people are just not feeling welcome. They're feeling judged. They're not feeling safe. And um, it's just a topic that, um, you know, we're trying to figure out how to respect people who have their religious beliefs but still walk in that spirit of love. And I, I just I just remind people, if you're, so, if you're really worried about someone, pray for them. Just pray for them and, you know, pray that God will heal their hearts, whatever it is that they're dealing with. But just be care- we just have to be careful how we minister to them or how we share or our opinions sometimes it's just important just to be there because people are dealing with trauma they're ready to jump off a cliff and you know right now we just need to be showing more love that's where that's where i'm at i I think we yeah i I think that what you're saying makes sense Uh would anybody does anybody else have a comment or um, a thought in regards to what we're talking about Hey, this is Jeff. Hey, Bill. Hi, Kim. No, I was just going to say, as you were talking about gay people specifically and and Pride Month and everything, um, I just wanted to reiterate that I know we have heard this before, but I was at a, a speaker the other night a little ways from my house, and I um, heard him mention that the phrase love is love is not actually a gay phrase. It's actually a pornography or child pornography type phrase. And that's how it got started. And so I see that being used now, you know, during Pride Month and stuff, and I and I just wanted, you know, maybe – let people understand, whoever listens to this show, anyway, that that's, um, that's got a whole different meaning to it than what a lot of people think. Have you guys heard that? No, I don't know where where you I, would see that. Where would you see that? Yeah, I, I, thank you for telling us. No. Um, so John, uh, he, I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. We had him on the show not too long ago, and he's from... Pueblo, Colorado here, and um, I went and saw, like I said, I saw his, saw him speaking, 
and he had mentioned it, and maybe he had mentioned that when he was on here. Digirolamo, D-I-G-I-R-O-L-A-M-O, and he wrote the books. Um, it's not about the predator, and it's not about um, all the books he's written. It's not about the badge, real cops, real stories. You don't remember ever saying that. Yeah, I mean, he does a lot of work with um, sex trafficking and stuff, and so he has, yeah, that's, like I said, I I can't remember where I heard that, but I had heard it before, and um, so that's kind of scary. Love is love? That's a a, uh, pornographic? Wow. Yeah. Child pornography. Yeah, child pornography type thing. Huh. You know, I, I was, as you know, and both of you do know, I was uh, abused in that way, too. I was a, a victim of child pornography and a lot of it, a lot. Um, and it was all back then on film because they didn't have, like, little video cameras you could carry around. Uh, but there, it was film. It was very good film. The guy that was my principal uh, abuser was an excellent photographer. And read, I mean, excellent. He he would he he would have worked in anything else had he not been a brother in the Catholic Church. And he had wonderful cameras, and he had dark rooms, and he 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 rolled his own film and stock. He printed everything. Oh man! And he taught me so much stuff, which was part of the attraction, you know, uh, because nobody had ever paid attention to me, and the fact was I was very creative, and there was no outlet for it. Not at all. It was not encouraged. And uh, he encouraged it. Oh, he just shared it with me. Anyway, the point is that um, I, that's another... Oh, no, I think we lost Phil. We lost him in the middle of his sentence. Yes. I'm like, wait a minute, is it my phone? <laughs> okay. Oh, how he calls back in. in? Yeah, but um, Kim, seriously, I never heard that term, and I, all I'm thinking is, people always have to mess up something good. Yeah, you know, people yeah, have and to and mess up word, love. Yeah, but it's such a nice, kind word, right? And now they they um. They, uh, what's the word? Like when you just make it dirty and you just take the innocence out of it. Yeah. Like yeah. Contaminate it or something. Yeah. It's like, you know, you're taking something that's, that's precious, is beautiful. And, you know, and also it's a reminder that there's all these codes that we need to get educated about. There are codes that people use that we don't even know what's being said around us. And we're all innocent, like la la la, and we don't understand that that's a nasty code. Yeah. Yeah, and there could be a predator, you know, on the internet who sees that and says, "Oh, I know that code. Those people do what I do, and so you know, try and get in touch with her or whatever." Which scary, yeah, scary to think of that. Yeah, that's horrible. It is. It's a crazy world. They'll take something beautiful and make it crazy. But um, but I think that that's why these shows are so important because 
the more we learn, the better we're able to protect our children and and protect our community and share with our community, educate our community, and so that we can really work together to make it a safer, better place. Right. And, you know, as we've said before, we all need to be watching out for all the children. It's not just about our own children. And, you know, I've raised mine, and so I'm done. I don't have to worry about any other kid. You know, it's not. That's not reality. Mm -hmm. Reality is we need to be watching out for all of them so that, you know, we can kind of change this whole child abuse, child sexual abuse, or child child right yeah definitely well does anyone have anything they'd like to add I know we have still a few people on the line with us we would love to have you join us yeah I'm here hi do you have any comments about anything we've said yes I'm here can you hear me? Yes, we hear you. Mm-hmm. Okay, hi. Uh, yeah, I've been listening. I congratulate the gentleman on what he's created with the uh, 12-step program. I think that's great. Um, I, th- I think you could, yeah, I agree. You could probably use a 12-step to, uh, you know, solve any it, any issue, you know, and I think if you've, if you've done that for, you know, uh, focusing on recovery from child abuse. I think that's great. I congratulate you on that. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the lady that recent, I'm sorry, you know, I don't, can't really, because we're, this is just on the air and I don't, can't really visualize who's talking, but, you know, within the past 10 minutes, I, I think maybe better, maybe should be a little more careful with, drawing a correlation between gay pride month and pedophilia. Uh, I think that's going down the wrong path. You know, whoever said love is love, you know, if it was said by a pedophile, that does not indict all gay people. You know, <laughs> you know, I, Oh, I, oh, I've never, no, 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 that. well, I don't think, I don't think it matters who said that first. Uh, I've ne- I'm gay. I've I've never heard the story that love is love was created by a pedophile pornography. Per- I mean, even if that's true, that doesn't change the fact that for tens of millions of upstanding, good citizen gay people in this country, love is love. So, um, you know. <laughs> I understand. No, I and I. About, you know, yeah, no, I agree. This is a group. I don't. I and I don't. Group about, you want to be careful with child. A lot of people are recovering from child abuse. I totally get that. That's what the organization's all about. But just let me be clear. You know, pedophiles are not an active part of the LGBT movement. So when you see "Love is Love" on a banner this month at Gay Pride parades don't like grab your children and run the other way this is that's not what gay people are about really yeah thank you and i and i didn't mean to offend you in any way i my son is gay as well and i 
spectating people, and that wasn't really the what I was trying to get across. I was just trying to, you know, let people understand that that could be a sign for people who have bad intentions. I mean, you know, you're right. It should be something, then that's a phrase that should be able, we should be able to say. Love is love. I mean, and I agree with you. My my son is gay and he's getting married here in a few months. But um, I just wanted people to understand that there could be that other thought going on. That's all I was saying. I, I wasn't trying to correlate them together by any means. Oh, yeah. I, well, you know, I, I appreciate the open forum and, you know, every, everybody's allowed to say, you know, bring up different thoughts. I'm all, I'm all good on that. Just wanted to throw that in, but good program. Yeah. I, I'm, in, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying it. It's a very good program you have here and good things that you all are doing. So congratulate you all on that. So this is, this must be Jim, huh? This hey, is Jim. the first time. I, I tuned in a few months ago. I've sort of been absent for a while doing other projects, but and I thought, oh yeah, and then I remembered about the group. I thought, oh, I got to look into that. So I went on your website. Oh yeah, they have a, they have a radio program. So I, thought, well, that's great. So I, I just wanted wanted to check in and see what you're doing. I think it's I think it's great that you're that you have this nightly wait radio program and you give a forum to, you know, people to listen and to make comments. I think it's just wonderful what you all are doing there. Congratulations to all of you. Thank you. And thank yeah, you thank for you sharing. For, exactly. exactly. Thank you for coming in and let us know that. It's important for us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I got I, kicked off the show for a minute here and I, I fell back in, so I'm back. <laughs> Go ahead, Kim. Or Nancy. Yeah. I'm glad you made it back. Um, no, I just wanted to say to them, thank you for sharing and thank you for joining us tonight. It's always a pleasure. And um, and again, you know, I think that it's, it's great to hear from different points of view. It makes us a stronger community, and that's how we learn. Um, unfortunately, like I said, such a beautiful word was taken now from what it's supposed to be meant to be to um, – being perverted by people who have bad intentions. And because this is a child abuse um, radio station, we're bringing up what those people are doing with that word. And so um, we just, we, we hate the fact that it, we don't want it to be associated to anybody who truly does have love uh, and the beauty that love represents. And so, um, you know, hopefully we can keep it, Keep it, uh, let that word continue to be beautiful as to what it is. But if you see people who are doing bad things and you hear that term, then you know that that's their code word that unfortunately is there. And that's the word I was looking for, how how people can pervert something that is meant to be so beautiful um, and it's supposed to be like, you know. Um, and I just, yeah, that's what I love. I, I, what I love about this space is that it is a safe space that anyone, anyone from any ethnicity, any um, nationality, any community, any race, any uh, spiritual belief can come on here and, and share. And the focus that we focus on is how to keep our community safe 
and how to support each other as we recover from trauma. Because, um, you know, I'm still in my recovery journey. I think that recovery from trauma is a lifelong, it's a lifelong walk. And to be able to walk it not alone but with others who understand and support recovery, I think is a beautiful thing. So last night I was doing, I was facilitating a group for people who deal with bipolar, depression, anxiety, um, multiple personality disorder, just like a lot of different things. And they came on and they had so much wisdom. They were telling, they were teaching me stuff. I mean, they were teaching me about different um, recovery options that are available today. Um, They were talking about, let me see, they were talking about uh, PMS, which is transcranial magnetic stimulation. They were talking about rapid eye treatment. Um, They were talking about uh, just so much last night. And, And I think that we are so equipped ourselves because we have walked through. So we come with knowledge and we come with resources and we're able to understand each other and or share ideas that could be like, wow, let me try that. I haven't tried that type of recovery. But there were people on the line that actually said, you know what, I used it and it worked for me. It was really, really good. Um, I couldn't keep up with it because financially it was a little costly. It was out of my network. But it really was working for me. And then other people started to join in, like, wow, I need to try that, or, oh, I tried that as well. So that's what, that's just what I love about creating safe spaces where people can share. Anybody else? <laughs> well, uh, the, the, uh, love is love. I'm not going to avoid using the word love. It's part of my vernacular every day in a different some way. Um, and I, I do love you guys. I love you. I don't have a problem telling you that, you know. Um, but the thing is that there are perversions of of certain things. Like, for example, I know that butterflies are used uh, to indicate the interest in, in uh, child abuse, uh, child, uh, you know, child abuse. Uh, by, really? By other pre- yes. So they can see, they'll see something with a, with a butterfly on it, depending on what color or something, I don't know what a you know a pattern, uh, a little little butterfly. But they'll relate that to ah, this guy's uh, you know uh, looking for looking for little girls, or and another color with little boys. You know, <laughs> yeah. And it, it's just it's just a little it's just a butterfly, right? A drawing of a butterfly, uh, a logo. But if you don't know it, you don't know it. If you don't if you don't attach yourself to it, it doesn't bother you, really. It bothers you when love is love uh, becomes problematic for you as a person. If you understand that there might be some group that uses that phrase and it's like, oh, well, that's not going to stop me from saying love and using the word, you know. And it's, you know, not as damaging as that. Yeah, that's a good thing. Well, I'm glad that uh, we were able to share about that because that was really good information. Uh, I I learned something. I learned a few things tonight that I just I was not aware of. So I appreciate it. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. 
Yeah. Does anybody else? Bill, you know, I was just going to say um, that when you got cut off, Bill, Jim was telling us how much that he really appreciated you doing the, the 12 steps and make, turning that into NASCA and what NASCA is today. And so I just wanted to let you know that he, he appreciates that. And oh, no, I didn't hear that. I wanted to let you know that. Thank you, Jim. Yeah. I didn't hear that comment. You're right. So thank you, Jim. You're welcome. Uh, it's my, it's my like pleasure. You know, I was, I was, I sponsored, you know, you mentioned sponsoring before. I sponsored dozens and dozens and dozens of kids, sometimes at the same time, not, not necessarily kids, but other, you know, other people that with your alcohol. And it was way too much. I was, it was way because you know you only have so much energy. Right now, I'm I'm honestly experiencing some days lack of energy because there's a lot. I, I have other things that I would like to do. We have some things that we dropped that I, that aren't really being supported that I'd like to go back to doing, but I just can't. <laughs> uh, at the level that I'm performing at, yet, pretty much. Because of course I'm older now, but that's okay. I. The point is that I have been I have I have been a part of community whether it was AA or NASCA for a long time. You know, and it I believe in it. I believe in community. So that part of it's not not uh, it, it it's energizing rather than being depleting, you know. All right, go ahead. Was someone still one about the, to say something? Yeah, one of the ladies. If it wasn't you, it was the other one. Oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what I was going to say. Never mind. <laughs> it goes away fast, Bill. It's got to come out quick, or it goes away. <laughs> well, no, you're I fine. I interrupted you. <laughs> <laughs> I try to shut up as fast as I can, but I got to finish the thought. I think. Or maybe I. Maybe I don't. <laughs> Exactly. I know. It goes away. It goes right out of the brain. Yeah. Yeah. I don't say it. I forget as well. Oh, Lord. You know, the two uh, things you mentioned at the that were uh, brought up at the meeting you went to, uh, who was that for a minute? One of you said it. And they, it we say the same thing. You know, when we talk about uh, the different kinds of uh, paths one can take, I mentioned, you know, psychiatry, psychology, counseling, life coaches, right? I go through a whole list. And then I include and other non-traditional kind of work like uh, like writing is a skill or, you know, writing is a tool, uh, like animal therapy, like uh, – and, and, the, and then I get into EMDR, and that's, that's the eye movement, rapid eye movement therapy which for some people is fantastic. And I've heard wonderful things from these people that love it. And I've heard, you know, eh, it's okay from others. It depends on who you are and who, I guess, who the, who the uh, therapist is because that, they have to be trained uh, and get a certificate. They can't just go around doing this. And I'm sure the other thing you mentioned is just kind of like brain surgery. <laughs> You need some training in that too. 
But, and you're know, right. Anything that's worthwhile is, you know, anything that you think is worthwhile, okay. It might not be worthwhile for me. I, for example, I would not do anything that I thought was going to be addictive because I'm addictive. But, you know, it doesn't mean I have an opinion about other people doing it. It's up to them, you know. You're right. What works for one person is not going to work for all. So recovery is not linear. What works for you may not work for me. So like you said, the rapid ice treatment, mm-hmm. that that may not work for everybody. You've heard great mm-hmm. things about it, and you heard some people say, yeah, it's all right, <laughs> because it's true. It's not, you know, everything that, it's out there to help people in their recovery. It's not going to work for everyone. Right. And you just have to know what works for you and try. As long as you try, that's really what matters. I would say try it. I would say try it because it won't hurt you. Mm -hmm. You know, and and you may have a virtually miraculous transformation from how you deal with and think about things now in the third session. I mean, it's amazing how, how fast it is. Even one session. So uh, I would say try it. Don't don't hold back from trying it just because of what I say. <laughs> I, I do know that I've heard people say both, both ends of the spectrum. It's fantastic and that it's really not for them. You know, for both. Right. Yep. Like when we had um, the therapist that came on and she was talking about her horse therapy. I'm still I still want to check it out. I know exactly. that one of her partners, she's not far from me. She's like 30 or 40 minutes from me. So, excuse me, if you guys see me on social media, on Facebook, on the horse, you know what happened. <laughs> Don't be surprised. That might be one of the pictures coming up this summer. I think that's like a little great try it. You know, I think yeah, you should. Yeah, I know. I'm thinking about. It. I, I want. I think. I, I think I want to ride a horse this summer. I think that's going to be one of my uh, bucket list things to do this summer. Oh, um, that's great! <laughs> By all means, go for it. Horses are amazing animals, and they are. Of course, I'm an animal lover. I, I have ridden since I was about six. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, but they are amazing animals, and they have. Uh, an attraction to and a, and a relationship with people almost in the same way a dog does. But oh, they, wow. can't, they can't come in the house and climb into bed with you because they're so big. You know? But uh, they know who you are and they have habits and they know when you, you know, they, they know you might have something in your pocket. They go down there, they smell for it. <laughs> you know? um, so they are, uh, and, and they're very, they have, very uh, interesting personalities. Each horse different than the other. But, um, geez, it's, yeah, you should try it. Absolutely. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. I don't know if you've been on when um, I've talked about my my daughter's horses, too, and I just, I love to go visit them. I've never ridden them. And I, I've never ridden, I mean, I guess I've ridden, it's been a long time, but, um I've never ridden her horses, but I bring them treats, and so they know me, and they come up to me, and <laughs> they come exactly. running to see me. That's and right. I was going to say, Bill, I'll bet my daughter could get her mini horse in her house 
because her mini horse is probably about as big as their dog. <laughs> but he stays well, outside. You can get the mini horse in the house, but you can't ride it, you know? <laughs> so it's, yeah, you know, it's um, exactly. <laughs> yeah. A three-year-old could ride him. <laughs> That's true. That's true. My first We're going to put one of those little kids. My All first right. job when I was about five or six was given to me by the sheriff in the town who lived in the house behind us. And he had a daughter that was my age, and he owned a stable. And so the job was on Saturday mornings he would take me over there, and he'd have me lead ponies around the circle, you know, with little little kids on the back. And every time I did that, I would get a, a I would get a uh, horse riding lesson. Well, the horse riding lesson was given by his daughter, my friend, because she'd been riding for three years, you know, and they, they assigned a horse to me, and I would go get that horse on the weekends I was there, and it became, his name was Domino, because <laughs> he was a, he was a, spotter, you know, uh, pony, oh, and um, that, that's how, that was my first, that was the pay of my first job, right, horse riding lesson. Fantastic. And ever since I've known, I've never been afraid of horses because of that. Some of my friends, when we go to places, and they, I get up on the horse and I ride it. They go, "Hey, you can ride." I say, yeah, I told you I could. Yeah. <laughs> uh, everyone should ride a horse. <laughs> everybody, everybody. Daddy, pet therapy is awesome. All right, well, we're getting close to that time, you all. We just appreciate everyone for tuning in. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Everyone, have a blessed night. Okay, thank you. Thank you. God bless. Good night. Good night. Thank you.